welcome, greetings, and salutations, and welcome to the Funk E.T. Funk E-Vibes Podcast. This is your host, DJ Funk E.T., coming at you live. Today's episode is brought to you by 5050 Global, 5050 Global EDM, Sony, Sony Orchid, and a bunch of other people that I probably have forgotten. Ladies and gentlemen, the person I'm about to introduce you to, she's extremely talented. Um, she was born originally in Hong Kong, but at the age of nine, her and her family moved to the United States. She be- told her father, her father realized that she had a talent for singing. She went on to sing and perform in numerous countries. She has put out albums and projects. She is definitely a star that you should know. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Miss Karen Lowe. Welcome, Karen. Welcome, thank you. Welcome, Karen, to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing just great. Good, good, good. Read too. You, 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 are, are you in California? Yeah, actually, um, I'm in. Uh, I'm in California. I'm a city of Roland Heights, California. I'm just chilling, kicking back today. I have a day off from work, just chilling and enjoying myself, enjoying the silence. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. All right, all right, all right. Well, Karen, can you please give my listeners um, a brief, can you give them a history of Karen Lou? Well, um, I was originally from Hong Kong. I was born in Hong Kong. Um, I was I was there till I was nine years old, and then um my dad decided to move all of us to United States. So we, um, we have family that are in San Francisco. So, um, they, you know, they got us here. And, uh, at first I lived in San Francisco for about a month and a half for my dad to settle down in LA. And we, um, you know, finally, settled down in LA about a month and a half. And then, um, I, I lived in a, I lived in a condo in city of Alhambra, which is, of course, it's kind of like in LA County and then grew up, grew up a little bit there, went to, um, elementary school, um, didn't know too much of, um, the English language that well. Cause I was, you know, still fresh, brand new from Hong Kong. And our um, primary language in Hong Kong is Cantonese, so mostly spoke Cantonese in the family, in the house. And then I, um, from there, moved to Monterey Park, and then uh, started um, learning the uh, the language a lot better. Was willing, you know, I was able to speak fluently in English after about a year and a half, two years, um, you know, in the states. So um, I um, started singing at the age of. 11 years old and I didn't know I actually started out as a dancer first I was a ballet dancer and uh, I did that for about two years when I was about seven 
seven years old and then I moved here and I kind of stopped taking ballet and then I got into singing after um, I discovered that I could sing. I didn't know that I could sing. And then my father, um, he bought me a karaoke machine and then I started using it and I started singing along with, you know, whatever songs I hear on the radio. And I was like recording myself and I play it back for my father and my mom. And they say, Hey, you know, you, you sound pretty good. And so he started, you know, entering me into singing contests and competitions. And I, I want to, I want a lot of them. I lost a couple of them and, um, started working with, um, I met actually uh, Tian Tamara at a um, Tian Tamara Mori at a um, modeling acting agency called um, Faces International, and then we actually performed together at the Hollywood Palladium back in 1990. I met I met those uh, I met the twins, and uh, they were on Sister Sisters, and um, we kind of hung out for about a couple of years and we lost in touch and then they kind of, they were my backup and uh, they were my backup dancer and the backup singer. And we were trying to form a group together, but it just didn't work out. And then they went, we went separate ways and they, they went on doing acting and I, you know, kept doing my music. And our first producer, his name was Gary Ivory. We did about four tracks and recorded two tracks with them. I recorded two tracks on my own as we did like by four demo. And then after that, I went on doing another uh, album with a producer named Stephen Boyd. He was more of a commercial, commercial. Um, he write, he writes songs for commercial and jingles. And then he, he does a lot of adult contemporary music. And I started working with him. We did about, eight songs and then two songs we did it in Chinese translation so we recorded eight songs in English two two songs in Chinese and then they uh we got I had a lawyer um and he submitted my he submitted my music to Asia so it was Asia BMG and Asia Warner Brothers and uh got picked up by BMG but the deal didn't work out because uh, my the producer I was working with did not um, approve of the budget that they offer. So that kind of went down the drain. So I went through a lot of stuff and went to, um, Japan and did a show called, um, Jesus Christ Superstar. I collaborated with the Japanese students. I was there for about two months and I did three shows there with them. It was pretty fun. We perform in English and English and Japanese together. And, um, you want me to continue? <laughs> I keep talking and talking and talking. Keep going. Keep, <laughs> keep going. I can talk for a long time. <laughs> keep going. Um, keep going. Keep going. And then um, after after I did that show, came back, um, you know, still continuing my musical journey. And I work with uh, a guy named, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it's Johnny Rogers. And his daughter was a rapper. Um, I, freak, I think her name was the MC something. MC. It wasn't MC Light, but she um, she was a uh, actually was upcoming uh, rapper. She was getting famous, getting popular, but then then she died of drug overdose. So I worked with her father. Oh man. Oh, man. 
Yeah, she was popular. I forgot her last. I forgot her name. It was MC something. But she she was friends with like um, Boyz II Men. She was friends with, I believe, Aaliyah. All these other, you know, rappers, Mr. Elliot. She she knew all of them. Yeah. I worked with her father, and then he got me into the studio. Um, he actually got me into a very nice studio in uh, Universal. Um, no, Studio City. It was like one of the nicest studio I've ever been to. It was like a, a I think it was a 48 track or 64 track studio. It was huge. And I didn't have to pay a dime. He got me in there. His brother was the engineer there. So we, we got to work in there for about four or five hours. We recorded one song. Um, but I, I still kept in touch with him, but it just didn't go to the direction that I wanted to go. Then I went, I went to uh, Hong Kong after that. I, I, I went, I went to Hong Kong and I had a, a meeting with two record label, which was Warner and Sony. And, um, they, there's one thing that said, one thing that they said that was so funny to me, it was like, they were telling my father that your daughter does not seem Chinese enough. She seems so Americanized. And, you know, my father came back with a response like, well, she grew up in the United States. She came, she left Hong Kong when she was nine. What do you expect from her? That's crazy. That's they crazy. Said you weren't Chinese enough. I know. And I spoke, I speak Chinese like a Chinese born. Like I'm fluent. Like, you know, a person from Mexico, they speak Spanish. They sound very fluent. That's exactly how I speak Chinese. They said your, your daughter, something about her just doesn't click with the Hong Kong market. And then my father's like, well, I don't know what else you expect from a, a Chinese born kid who left her home country. My you know, migrated into United States of America, studying, you know, English language, you know, public school. She's going to be Americanized. What do you expect her to do? Come back and still didn't speak a word of English and then, you know, speak like a person who just, you know, still living in Hong Kong or living in China. Moving on from Will Smith. Yep. <laughs> moving, on from being a marriage, moving on from being a marriage counselor. <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Will, but we're going to move on from you, sir. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, Karen, um, can you please tell me more about your... Um, now, you touched briefly on your uh, relationship with Tia and Tamara. Um, okay. Are, are you now in contact with them? No, we lost in touch. Um, I mean, I think as people... Um, I don't know if they maybe been in the business and they kind of changed the way they are. Um, the last time I had a little conversation on Messenger, on Facebook Messenger with Tia, um, she told me she didn't, she vaguely remember me. So what I did was I have some pictures of us that we took when I was 15 and they were 11 because I'm four years older than them. And I sent it to her. And I think there was one picture that I think her father's in the picture, um, you know, Timothy Mori. So I, I said, hey, do you remember these pictures? She said, oh, yeah, they look familiar. But she said that it's been so long that she doesn't really remember. And I'm like, I don't think the fact that she doesn't remember, I just think the fact that sometimes, and this is the fact for some people, not all, fame and money can change somebody change who they are, 
change how they are. And it's fine. You know, I didn't take no offense. I just, you know, I just said, okay, well, I'll talk to you soon. You know, wish you the best. Tell your parents. I said, hi. But I think bottom line is I, I don't, I do believe that she, she remembers me because <clears throat> she's been to my house with her, with her sister, Tamara. Her parents dropped her off like four or five times, six times at my house. How could they forget me? We, they stayed a night at my house a few, few times. My, they know my parents. They they used to swim in my swimming pool in the back in the backyard, and this is in the the house we lived in was in Hacienda Heights. I don't know if you ever been to California, but we at that time when I was hanging out with Tian Tamara, I was living in Hacienda Heights, which is you know right by like um, City of Industry by the 60 Freeway. And they've been to my house many times, so I don't see how she cannot remember me. But it's okay. I I understand maybe. She doesn't seem to um, maybe remember a lot of things, but I'm sure she remembers who I am. But I don't blame, you know, her reaction. And, you know, some people are like that. They probably, maybe she's afraid that it was somebody who's trying to claim somebody that she doesn't know, so she didn't want to, like, be too overly friendly. Because, you know, there are strange people on social media trying to claim they are somebody, and they're not. So she was probably protecting herself and her family, I understand. Well, not just that. You also got to remember, as a celebrity, you know, all of a sudden you get all your cousins and, you know, everybody, you know, somebody who walked by you and, and pat your dog and they claim to know you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everybody's got that. Sometimes people come to you and they have their hands out for money. And, you you know, and, and sometimes it can be hard to to know who really is your friend. You know what I mean? That's true. But that was it. And um, we we did a couple of performances together back in the 90s. Um, we were, you know, we were teenagers. They were 11, I was 15. And um, I comp- they, um, they were my backup dancers when I was in a, a singing competition for a... Um, a Chinese, a Chinese channel. I want, you know, I want, I want some good money from that show, from that competition. And they were my backup dancers. And then we co- we collaborated for about six months. And then after that, it just the parents took them away doing acting instead. You know, um, the strange thing was to me when they were younger, I don't think they wanted. As they wanted to be a, a star as much as they, as much as their mom, their mom wanted them to, because the mom was pushing it really, really hard. Like, but they were like, they just wanted to have fun, and I don't think they were so concerned about being a superstar, because I don't think they understood or they understand. Uh, but the, I saw how the mom was aggressive on. You know, they were like they found her. They they she found them a good agent, and then they got their sister sister show. But before that, I've seen a mom didn't um, like I said. You know, sometimes people can't find common ground. It's like you know, there are times for your daughter to play, and there are times for your daughter to be serious. And you know, we were doing. I think we're we were on our break, you know, from recording the song and we were joking around and mom didn't like the way she was acting. And I think the mom came in there and kind of like, um, yelled at her and grabbed her from her arm. I think grabbed her really hard. And then I just, 
you know, I didn't like that. And I didn't say anything, but I just, she started crying. It was, I think it was Tamara. <clears throat> and I, I, I was, I just knew that at that point, I knew it was the mom was trying to push them to become a superstar because there, you know, you, there's things that you can see not by what someone say is what they do is how aggressive she was. It's like, okay, I see that now. I think it's like the, the parents want them to make it and want them to become the superstar that. So, you know, they, they, I mean, I mean, there are, you know, news that we know that a lot of like, um, like kids celebrity always get taken advantage from their parents because they, they make all this money. And by the time they get to 18, all the money is gone. <laughs> you know about that, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I saw that, but I was only 15 and, but I understood, I understand, you know, I was older and then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. You know, that's between them. But I just didn't like how, aggressive how she got with her daughter that they're just kids let them have fun they're supposed to have fun they're not supposed to get all stressed out and i think that's why when i seen how tia act now and because the way she posts stuff on facebook before she became a mom after she married um corey her husband um he's an actor as well i just seen how she act and the way she is and I don't blame it all on her. I think it's pressure from the family. Mom always pushing her. I want you to do this. I want you to be like this. I want you to do this. When you grow up from a family, just like Will, going back to the psychology part, when you grow up and um, when you in the race in the family where they keep the, the parents continuously to push you, you're not going to grow up being a, hu a normal human being. That's what I know for sure. <clears throat> Cause you're always going to feel like you have to prove something or you have to prove to someone. And I was like that before. And I kind of shut down a lot of people. Like I, I didn't want to, there were moments where I didn't want to talk to anybody because I felt pressured from my mom and my dad and my family. They always, you know, wanted um, to see me become this big superstar, you know, becoming really rich and really wealthy, have a, you know, 10, 10 bedroom mansion kind of thing. And I, as, as I think about five years ago, I broke away from that. I said, you know what, this is my life. I'm going to live the life. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm not going to let no one tell me you got to do this. No, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, cause there are many years I was stressing out because I was trying to become this person or become this celebrity, this big star that I, you know, grew up wanting to become when I was a kid. <clears throat> and, and as you get older, if you really look at it, it's not that great. Sometimes you have no freedom. <clears throat> you have no, you have no private life. Do you feel <clears throat> um, that because of because of the pressure, and because of such a young age, that you missed out on being a child. Oh yes, I rem I remember when I was a kid, from the age from twelve all the way up to eighteen, and so I was you know twelve I was in I think I was in eighth grade, yeah, 
I didn't have a chance to go to a lot of parties where I would, you know, get invited to birthday parties, go invited to go have fun. I couldn't go because every weekend I would have to sing at a wedding. I have to sing at a club. I have to sing at this restaurant that my mom or my dad booked for me. I had a life like Michael where I grew up just knowing how to dress up, grab the mic, go on stage and sing. Go home, do my homework, eat, go to sleep. I never had any like a like a like a like a school life, like child, I couldn't, you know, hang out with my friends. I had no life. And that made me not normal. And growing up, I, a lot of people thought I was strange. Like you're not normal. I, I think I became more normal after I I, I turned 35. <laughs> I wasn't I don't feel like I was being a normal person because I didn't know what I didn't know better than just music and singing and and I I I didn't know what else to talk about. So that's why I'm saying that I've I found my I found my common ground after I turned into my late, you know, my late thirties. <clears throat> oh, I just told people how I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than that. <laughs> <laughs> But but as you as you live your life and you you realize that more things that are more important than just fame and money you have to have you got to have joy and peace in your life and have someone to spend it with like you can have all the money in the world but if you piss everybody off and you know always talk about you know you and you and you and you yourself yourself and oh look at look at me look at me look at me because there's a lot of um, recording artists or a lot of actors that I know who are like that. They always look at me look at me and then they don't know how to live a normal life because they want to be that superstar so badly and they'll do anything they'll do anything to to get what they want. No, it's not worth it. There are a lot of scary things that are in this show business, but I'm not going to talk about it on the show because it might scare okay. a lot of people, but I know, and I've seen a video of it, it's not that great. It's actually pretty scary. There's tell, some can, things... Just, just tell me one thing. Yeah. Because the, re the reason why I'm asking is because there is going to be some young person who wants to get into the business. They're going to hear this interview, right? Yeah. And sometimes the truth is better than having to experience it, right? And, and if they hear your story, they will know how to handle the situation if it happens to them. So please let us know that story. Well, uh, okay. As I as I got older in my 20s, um uh, there are a lot of times that I've been to a lot of business meetings with musicians or with, you know, you know, record industry people or, you know, just anybody in, in the industry, music industry, mostly, um, they would as a female. Okay. I'm not saying it doesn't happen to men, but it does, but it happens to good looking, good looking female, good looking men. Um, you would get a lot of undesirable requests from them for you to make it. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. 
And if you don't do this for me, I am not going to help you. And they ask you to do disgusting, nasty things that you don't want to do. And so, <clears throat> and listen to this, um, just, just pretend these little, little young teenagers that want to become a superstar are listening. When you actually sell yourself, sell your body, your mind, and your soul, it might be great for the moment of the light shining on you while you are enjoying being famous and being rich. But once that light is off you, you're going to look back and say, I did all this to get here. And sometimes I've came across people who wanted to commit suicide because of all the things they had to do to become famous and become rich. And they have to sell their soul and sell their body and sell their mind. And it's something that, of course, nobody want to do that. I mean, who wants to do that unless, you know, you're, you know, a, a sick person. But like a lot of people, they don't know <clears throat> what to do, like when it comes to that situation. So they it's like they really they really want to be famous. They really need this. So they end up doing it. And then they regret it later and they commit, you know, suicide or become depressed. I mean, there was a, there was a, um, an interview I heard from Lady Gaga <clears throat> that she said she regretted doing a couple, she regretted doing a few things to become where, who she is right now. She wished she didn't have, she, she wished she wouldn't have done it. We don't know what it is, but I kind of have an idea what she meant. <clears throat> Because she was having a hard time even getting her music played at a club. And I guess, you know, they said, well, if you want to do this, you got to do this. And, I mean, it's just sad. That's just how the industry is, especially for women. <clears throat> and you, you, you hear more scary things as you get in the business. People are looking from the outside, like, oh, okay. Oh, this is so great. But once you're in, you see everything. <clears throat> you see things that you don't want to see. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I was at, actually, I was at the, I was at the Grammys, um, 2017, I was invited to the Grammys. Um, you know, you have to be invited. You have to buy tickets, but you, you, all, everybody have to buy tickets. And even the celebrities, they have to buy tickets. So, but I think their record label buy it for them, for the Academy, um, the, the uh, music, uh, they call it the Grammy Music Academy. Uh, and then, yeah, so everybody have to buy tickets. Um, I mean, I was just surprised even being at that show and looking, looking at how the show is, uh, operated, it's like they, it's like it, everything looks so perfect on TV, but in in live, there was so much, so many things that were messing up the mics. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. Like everything looks so beautiful on TV, but it's not like that. <clears throat> it, I mean, you, you can draw a beautiful picture, and the final the final draft is always gonna be beautiful. But what's in between? when you go through different 
chapters when you said cut those things in between is ugly. Okay. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I don't want to be too I, direct. I, 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 I totally understand what you were saying. I yeah, totally so, understand what you're saying. So, you know, it's not always what you see is not always what you get. Especially, yeah. if, I mean, in life, yes. But TV, no. Because they're always going to give you a final cut that's the best. Yeah. I mean, you, you might see, say, uh, someone making a speech at a Grammy award and they're, they look so happy, but as they turn around and go backstage, they probably say, Oh man, I'm going back to my miserable life. Like Mariah, I'll give her, give you a great example. Mariah Carey <clears throat> was a waitress struggling to become a recording artist singer. And she, you know, had a friend, which is Brenda K star. And I guess, you know, she started singing background for her in concerts. And then she met, and Brenda K. Starr, you know, she signed Sony. She's with Sony. So Brenda, Brenda K. Starr introduced Mariah to Tommy Matola. Tommy Matola, you know, you know, of course, fell in love with Mariah. She's gorgeous anyway, no matter what, without the surgery or with the surgery. She's still always been gorgeous to me. Um, and with that voice and with the talent she has. And she's a yes. she's an incredible person. She's not mean like everybody. She's just Mariah. Yes. yes. <laughs> she is yes. not mean. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Mariah is very beautiful. Yeah. She's I, to me she's beautiful inside and outside. I don't see what people say, oh well, well, whatever. You you have your own opinion. But there's a reason why she became who she became because all the crap she'd been through with Tommy. I think Tommy, you know, okay, if you want, if you'd want to do this, you got to date me. If you want me to promote you, you have to do this. I mean, he does that with a lot of artists that I know of, but I, like I said, as a female, there are things that you have to do to sacrifice yourself to become not saying it's wrong, but it's just a, or immoral or moral, it depends on the person. If you feel that's all right with you, you go for it. But if you don't think that you can do it, then don't do it. That's the advice I give, you know, a lot of people. You know, you could be, you could have love for music. You can have love to become a performer. But that doesn't mean that you got to sell yourself to become rich and famous and have thousands, millions of high dollars and have, you know, mansions and nice cars, but that it's up to you. But can you handle all the pressure afterwards? Mental pressure, you know, emotional pressure, everything is going to fall on you. You know, you all, you know, it's, it's not easy to be a celebrity. It's hard. Everybody, oh, I saw East Noah Smart. Is a lot of pressure that that other people don't see it. <clears throat> they don't know it. We do, but they don't. And yeah, so, yeah. So the the advice I give to people is when you uh, when you're a performer, and you might have to sacrifice your relationship, which I have. I my relationship to me, I think it didn't work out. Part of the reason is because I was so involved with music all the time. I just didn't have much time for them. I always wanted to, music is my life. And my, I spent a lot of time with my daughter, of course, that's my daughter. But like, I spent a lot of music, uh, I spent a lot of my time in writing music, creating, I had an album before I signed to um, 
BMG, BMG became Sony. Um, the, this, it, I'll, I'll tell you that story in a couple of minutes, but I did a, a did an album called The Karen Lowe Project. I spent about a year and a half to work on that project. I wrote um, one, two, three, four. I think I wrote about six, seven songs on that track. And um, I did all the vocal arrangement on that track, on, 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 the, on the album, I meant. And um, it took me about, it took me a shorter time to record it, but it took me a longer time to write it. I think when you write, it's, it's a lot harder than when you record, because once it's record, singing is the easy part for me. And when you got to sit back and write stuff, you know, gather all your gather all your thoughts that you see from television and from the world. You know, I like to write songs about what I see and what I know and what I what what I learn from, you know, watching news and stuff like that. So and I took it took a lot of time from me away from my 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 ex-husband, from my daughter. And they, you know, they were supportive, but they understand that's my love. That's like. That's I had I had three relationships back then. I had one with music, one with my daughter, and one with my ex-husband. <laughs> I had three relationships. Um and and so there there are times when when you are so involved in your career, you kind of neglect your family and neglect your boyfriend and neglect your girlfriend. And the other person may not understand. They might think that you're cheating because that's a common thing. When a woman is dating a musician or dating a, a, a guy who is a guitarist or uh, in a band or something, they have to travel. She always assumes he's cheating <clears throat> because they don't understand. They're not, I'm not cheating. We just have to go on tour. We have to go perform. And But, but a lot of people don't understand that, thinking that if you're gone, you're gone all the time means you're cheating on me. You're having a relationship. You, you're, you're having an, another affair. Do you agree? Do you, agree? Do, you know, do, you know, do you know? Do you know why they feel that way? What? It's because they're looking for their faction. Yeah. Because, because of what? They're looking for their faction. They're looking for action? Their faction. The affection. Oh, <clears throat> yes. um, yeah. And I think a lot of times that when the person is so involved, like, you know, someone who's filming a movie, they're, they're away from their family for six months. I mean, like I said, you, if you want bottom line, if you want to be in the show business, you have to have a partner that is understanding. If you don't, it's not going to work out. And it's not that easy. it's not easy to find either. <clears throat> they might say, "Oh, I understand." And until your project starts, why are you always gone? Why are you always doing this? Why? I was like, "Well, because, because it's just because." And so now that I'm older, you know, I am content with my life. Where, you know, I like I just did a show in Milwaukee. <clears throat> And I was able, see, I was able to take my fiance with me because I guess maybe for the status of where I'm at, I'm not a well-known superstar, but I know that there are people who have seen my Spotify page. They know who I am. They stream my music. I'm not a million-dollar seller uh, recording artist yet, but I know that they, they have 
they have watched my music video because I have about seven, seven K stream to eight K. And so I, I know that when you add a status, you can request for more and you are allowed. But as a big, as a, a person who is beginning their, the beginning, their, the beginning with their music career or acting career, they won't have that lead way because you're, you don't have the experience and you don't have the, uh, I guess the substantial, like you don't have the credential for them to give you the lead way, like other experience, uh, you know, actor or singer who's been in the business for a longer time. But b- bottom line is, I had had a a long journey with my music. The longest journey I've ever had is music, besides my daughter and with my family. And relationship-wise, <clears throat> I am I'm happy with my my lover, with my partner. Um, do I hope to last with him? Yes. But we don't know. Life is, you know, it's unpredictable. But I, I think the way I am now that I have matured a lot in life as a person, as a woman, as a mom, as as um, a daughter to my mom, I, I think I learned that there are certain things that are not worth fighting for. There are certain things are there are certain things that you just don't need to do anything. Just leave it alone. <laughs> it's better. And I've learned that. Gotcha. Because <clears throat> I made many mistakes in my life where I know where the mistakes were and I learned, I corrected some of them and I'm still correcting the other ones, which I'm not going to name. <laughs> <clears throat> and, but as as you, you know, becoming a, uh, you know, experience and, you know, and as you becoming an older person and live, you experience, you know, certain things you shouldn't do and certain things you should do. But my advice to youngsters, like I said, just, you know, if you're happy, if you can deal with the stress and deal with all the pressure, if you have love, you really truly love music, go for it. Don't look after just for fame and money because not everybody becomes famous and become rich. Now, your daughter. Now, is your daughter striving to be an entertainer? No, she's in culinary. She uh, is actually becoming a chef. She's totally different. Yeah. I don't encourage her to be in the show business. Okay. Does does her mother, can her mother cook? Me? Yeah, you. Yeah, I do. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm goofy sometimes. Um, um, I'm just naturally funny. Um, my yeah, I can. Um, I knew her, her as a when my daughter was little. She used to watch me cook in the kitchen. I think she kind of like inspired her to cook because I think she likes. I knew she liked being in the kitchen because she always come in the kitchen and try to watch me cook. You know, as you, as you. As you Watch your kids grow. You kind of know what they like and what they don't like. So I kind of knew music wasn't for her. Acting was. I, I tried many things with her. She took tons of lessons. She took ballet lessons, piano lessons, violin lessons, tennis lessons, 
Um, she took um, soccer. I think she was on a, um, I think she was on a, a volleyball team. Or, oh no, she was on basketball team. She did not like it. She was on track for about four years. She liked it, but she didn't like the fact that she they don't allow her to eat. That's she's a, that's a no no. I need to eat, and because they they want the all the track people to be skinny, and that kind of like took away her joy. And so she's on the mom, I don't want to do track anymore. And it wasn't really f- what she wanted to do is what her father wanted her to do. See, she wants to be a chef. <clears throat> she already told me <clears throat> that on her um, high school graduation that year, she told me that she wanted to take culinary in college. And I said, yeah, go for it. And she said that, that's what she wanted to do because um, I think she had a scholar. Uh, there was like two schools from a different state were offering her a scholarship to run in track. And I I would let her go if she wanted to go, but she didn't want to do that. She wanted to, to be a chef. She wanted to be in culinary. I was like, okay, you know, you want to be culinary? If that makes you happy, go for it. I support you 100%. So, exactly. so she was going to um, a school named Mount Sac College right in Juana, California. And... And then, and unfortunately, the pandemic kind of messed everything up so that she had to stop for like a year and a half. And now, uh, started this January of 2022, she just started um, her new culinary class. It's a one-year course, and then um, it's a pr- actually a pretty well-known culinary school in city of Santa Ana in Orange County. It's Orange County, um, and it's, uh, it's a pretty good school, and I, I got her in it. Um, I enroll her, I helped her out and, um, she seems like she's having a great time and I'm happy for her. And, and I, you know, as me being a, um, you know, I mean, that is, you know, culinary is performing arts. It's just different. She's just performing chef. She's performing cook. Me, I'm a performer, you know, with music. She's performing with food, which is great. And I like her to cook because she can cook for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, she can cook for me now. I don't have to cook for her. <clears throat> you now have an in-house chef. Yep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just, I just, I just feel that um, everybody has, like I said, have to find their common ground and find things that make them happy. And that's just, that's just to me, that's a, that's a capital of life. If you can't find happiness in what you do, you need to fix that. So, Karen. Where can somebody find your music? Okay, uh, my music on are on many platforms, so I'll give you f- four. No, I'll give you six of them. Um, you can find me on Spotify uh, music, and I have a, a artist page on Spotify. So uh, you just search under Karen. Last name is Low L O, and um, I have four singles on there. Um, on my artist page, and the f- the first song is "Give It to You, Baby," and then "Dance Floor," and then I have "Crazy" spelled with a K, K A R Z Y, and then I have another one called "Fantasies." And you can also find me on iTunes, Apple Music, and you can find me on YouTube. You can find my videos. Just search under Karen Lowe, and um, you can find two of my music videos, and then the other ones just be like just music tracks with no uh, actual video in it. And also my um, my Instagram page, um, I don't use it as much, but you can find me there as well. You can you know follow me, and I'll follow you back. Um, is uh, Karen 
the lady filled with love. So it's K A R E N T H E L A D Y F I L L E D with love. So Karen, the lady filled with love. And on Facebook, um, I'm there. Just Karen Lowe, you'll find me. And then it will say um, under Sony Music. And that's it. And there you have it, everybody. There's Karen Lowe. Karen, thank you once again for coming on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh, I did. Awesome. Great. Um, can we expect you to come back on the Funky Vibes podcast? Uh, yeah, you know you know where to find me and you know how to reach me. I'm going to hit you up on WhatsApp and be a pain in the backside. Just let your fiance know that. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Funky Vibes podcast.